0: So I want to start today by uh, bringing up this thing that happened as I was uh, studying our text from Luke this week. You know when um, you know when we're saying the Lord's Prayer and we're all trying to say it in step with one another. Well, do you ever feel your mind or maybe your heart stopping or do uh, you just want to kind of like focus on one little bit of it, but you can't because we're all speaking it together and you have to keep moving? Or maybe when you're um, doing your daily devotion or if you've got that, uh, that thing on your Bible which tells you exactly what you're reading for your year in the Bible and something in it just really speaks to you. You're just drawn to it, but you know you can't actually stay with it because then you're not going to finish the entire day's reading. The kids are going to wake up. You'll get behind in the reading plan, and then that's not good. Or what about when you're praying? Have you ever been praying and you know that you're going to start by saying, Lord, I love you so much. Thank you for this day. And then you start to get to those people that you pray for. But your heart wants to stay with one person. But you know if you stay with that one person, you're just not going to get to the rest of everybody. And then will your prayers even count? I wonder what we should do when we're in that position, when it happens. Because it doesn't happen every time we pray or we read. But do you think we should just kind of keep going, or do you think we could let our heart rest where it feels drawn? Now, obviously, from the way that I phrase that question, you know that I want you to say, yeah, I think it's okay sometimes when we're reading or when we're praying to let ourselves stop and rest, to remain with that one point or that one piece and not to go any further. Because I have become convinced that what God is doing, He's doing something in those moments, that He's, that he's saying... That if you're going to take the time to read and pray, this, this today is something that I have found for you, so don't hurry past it, rest here. Let this little, like, a bud shoot forth from the ground, and let's just have this special opportunity where you focus on this one word from me, or if you're praying, that you just bend your ear for me on this one thing, because he'll allow it. And I want you to give yourself permission this week that if that happens, if you find yourself reading the Bible, or you find yourself praying, and something across, comes across, and your heart is moved, I want you to stay there with it. Don't rush through it. You know, bees do this all the time. When they see a bunch of flowers, they actually stop on the one flower. They don't leave it until there's no pollen left on there. So if and when this happens, lean into it. Let your heart rest. Let God work that phrase or just spend some time praying for that one little person or that one piece of your prayer and see what happens. I say all that to introduce our text today. Our text comes from Luke chapter 12. It immediately follows our parable from last week. So if you have your Bibles with you today, open them up to Luke 12. We're going to be starting at verse 22. Obviously, the words are going to be behind me as well if you want to follow along that way. But this immediately follows what we were talking about last week. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food. And the body more than clothes. Consider the ravens. They do not sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn, yet God feeds them. And how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wild flowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out a treasure in heaven that will never fail. Where no thief comes and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Now as we break this down, to be extremely clear here, starting at least when this show, uh, this verses 22 and 23, I want to be clear. This does not mean that if you have anxiety or you worry that you have failed God or that God has abandoned you or God is punishing you. That could not be further from the truth of what we know of God and what we learn of God in Jesus Christ. God never abandons us. He is slow to anger. He is abounding in love. We are told that a bruised reed he does not break nor a smoldering wick does he snuff out. We are told that Jesus is the Prince of Peace. And God always has room in his house for any heart that is anxious. This text is not about getting yourself right so that then God will use you. And please hear me when the anxiety and worry we talk about is not here referring to diagnosed depression or anxiety. If you have been diagnosed with that, continue to get the help you are getting, whether that is through counseling or therapy, medication, because God is using that to bring healing to you. And there is no shame in getting the help that you need. And I will not abide hearing that if you just had more faith, that's all you need, and then you'd be fine. Because those types of help is God working in and through others and working through medicine to bring healing. When it comes to mental health, if someone has been diagnosed and has been given medicine to take, and they are taking it properly, that's okay. That is what is needed. And there's no shame in struggling with your mental health. So please, hear me on that, and get any help that is needed. Because like I said in our text today, this conversation with his disciples follows a parable about greed and the building of barns for yourself. Because often, Greed and worry somehow are closely connected. Remember what I said about the context, right? We're going to bring that in today. Because if greed can never get enough, then it would seem here today that worry is the fear that we never have enough. And greed and worry never fix their eyes on Jesus. Because the do not worry about your life here is a loving command. This is not an angry Jesus or an insensitive Jesus. Here the Lord lovingly guides and encourages us. He wishes to elevate our hearts and our minds from physical things to spiritual things, from things that change to that which will last forever. And he starts with food and clothes. He reminds us that we are more than just animals who are merely concerned with physical needs. Your life he's saying, is more than what you have. Your life is more than what you have done. Your life is more than your career. Your life is more. He's saying you have eternal matters to pursue. So the question we must first ask ourselves is, why do we find ourselves so consumed with worrying about these things? Now, before you go as I did, because it's the same as you just said, we need help, right? We need more than just wishful thinking here, Trev. We have to have those things. We have to have food. We have to have clothes. And we have to work to get them. So if this is going to be one of your like, don't worry about a thing, because every little thing is going to be all right. That's a Bob Marley song. And I asked Stefan to play it on his violin, which I thought, wouldn't that be great? He said, no. He said, just keep preaching. So we'll do that. So look at this here. Jesus says, consider the ravens. They don't sow, they don't reap, they got no store in barn, yet God feeds them. The point is clear. God provides for the birds. He takes care of them. Therefore, we should expect that God would take care of us. The birds don't worry, do they? I don't know, maybe they do. they got a brain. The crow is the smartest bird. But they do work. I've seen birds work. They don't just sit there with open mouths, being like, I don't got to fly. God's just going to drop that worm right in my mouth. Hold up. Did you make the jump too? Bob Marley, Three Little Birds. Don't worry. Was anyone there? Because that is not what I was talking about when I said, let your heart rest there, miss. No, we are not applauding that. Thumbs down. We are pushing on. Now, The meaning Jesus is getting here is that when we let worry have this power over us, when the worry and the concern over the material things of life become unhealthy, we have lost the truth. You have forgotten your value to God. Because that kind of worry, the worry about things, is rooted in a misunderstanding of how much God values you. Because when we have put the having of possessions and the way we look, the type of food we eat, in a higher priority than our eternal purpose, man, we have lost sight of how much God loves us and how he cares for us. We have become concerned with the things of this world. It's like looking at a reflection in a pond and mistaking it for the stars in the sky, thinking that these things are so great, but what are they really? And you have to remember here in the context, he's not speaking to the poor. He's speaking to those who follow him. He is inviting those who follow him to move past a type of living life that is constantly worrying because it isn't sure if it has enough. He is speaking to those who will be tempted to think that they aren't satisfied, that there are great things out there. And I've worked hard for them. And I need to treasure them, value them, because it feels good when I have it. He is gently warning us against being so concerned about that. So I love how he just switches gears suddenly from birds to the very life you live. He drives the point home by saying, you could worry all you want, but it won't add one hour to your life because worrying accomplishes nothing. We add nothing to our lives by worrying. In fact, I might go so far as saying that there are many great sins, worse than worry, but there seems to be none that are as self-defeating and useless as worry would be. And I think he looks right at the disciples and he says this. He tells them about the ravens. He tells them that they can't even add an hour of their life by worrying, and they still just aren't getting it. So he then looks straight down and he says, look at the grass and the wildflowers. God even is clothing the grass. So, why will you not put your trust, your confidence in the power and care of God? But again, understanding that metaphor. If God cares for the flowers, and the flowers only had sun every day with no rain, no water, they would probably die very quickly. He is inviting you to a real life a life that will have struggles, but is moving you past being so concerned with worrying about what that life will look like and looking bigger eternally. And then he says, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it. And it was here in that do not worry about it, second line right in the middle there, that I stayed for most of the week, that my heart was drawn to, that I just could not get past. Because the NIV here, which is what we use, the translation, says don't worry about it. The NRSV has don't keep worrying. Others have don't be in suspense. And then I was like, be in suspense? What's going on there? So I looked at the ancient Greek word. It's meteorizomai, meteor being the root word there. The original text is not easy to explain, for this word right there that they say don't worry about it, this meteorizomai, is not found anywhere else. It appears to have something to do with meteors. So technically, it should say, neither ye be of meteoric mind, which no one says that. I don't even know, I've never heard that. Has anyone ever heard that? Don't be so meteoric in your mind. No, but the sense here is that don't hang in suspense as meteors do in the air. Not certain whether they're going to fall or hang. They just kind of hover there. And that was the key. Don't hover between trust and worry. And I spent most of my week thinking about that, about not hovering between trust and worry. See, I let my heart hover way too often. Hover right there in between worry and trust. And it's in that hovering where more often than not, I give in to worry. And then I make a little plan for about 15 minutes or whatever I do, I calm down. And then I just slightly move back to that hovering place. I'm still worried about it, but, you know, I made my plan. I'm sure it'll work out. Just kind of managing my worry. And it can be very hard to move on from worry, especially when we like to keep it so close. It's almost like worry has become a a drug. We're addicted to worrying or allowing worry to slowly kill us but we still want more of it. I still find myself tuning in to hear, how bad is it going to be today? Still hold on to those memories. The shame, the sin. I try to manage it, but I don't want it to kind (laughs) of... I hover. And I don't know about you, but all week long I told God, I am tired of hovering here i am tired of trying to do everything myself about worrying. Is it going to be another pandemic? Am I going to lose another loved one? Is there going to be a mistake that I make at my job? Is my kid going to do something wrong? I just hover, worried and stressed and afraid, but of course still functioning because we all got to function and think it's fine. It's fine. This is just how it is now. Hovering. When there is this invitation to not hover, but to trust, where all I have to do is sit and he will be there. Where all I have to do is receive what he alone gives. Where all I have to do is surrender and believe that what God is saying about himself, what God has said about me, is true and is unchangeable. Because a lot of times, trusting comes down to this choice that I have to make every day, not just some feeling. Because scripture is clear. God is good. God changes us. God is kind enough to be patient with us. He is strong enough to save us. He is our defender. He is our savior. He keeps our heart. Stop hovering and trust. He's saying, don't let worry have the run of the house. But when it creeps in and starts knocking at our door, say, you know what? Worry, I'm not looking for you. I'm seeking something else now. When the worry comes, we close our eyes and say, Lord, my heart is yours. Because whether I trust you or I'm filled with worry, you don't walk away from me. You have given me your name. I am yours. So fill me, Father, with your word. Your word that splits seas. Your word that sets captives free. Your life, your word that shines a light so bright in my life that darkness doesn't overcome. We see this and I ask, why, why do we hover so much when we could actively seek the kingdom? When we could walk in his ways. And I have become convinced that the kingdom of God is to ask God to tear down Everything to lay down these things of this world and tell him, take this kingdom that I have made and just cast it into the sea. Let your spirit, your word rule in my life because that is the only way that we combat worry. We take our worry and all of the things that are concerning us and we put them up against the word of God and ask what remains. Because when we seek the kingdom of God, we are going back to his heart, to how it was before we became so obsessed with going our own way, seeking things that were not of his kingdom, forgetting somewhere along the way to love God and love neighbor, becoming more concerned with what? Politics, nice things, ourselves. And to seek his kingdom removes the worry because we are looking at God and the needs of others, holding truth, holding to the truth of his word, and loving, right? That's what he said you will be known by. You will be known by the way that you love when it comes to following me. He contrasts the lives very clearly. There are those who seek after the things of this world and there are those who will seek the kingdom things. Do not hover. He knows we can't remove worry, but he does invite us with something to replace worry, a concern for the kingdom of God to choose to seek first the kingdom of God every day as we follow Jesus. So Jesus closes very nicely and says, don't be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. I like little flock. I like that he's our shepherd. But one of the best subtle lines in all of Scripture is right here, right in front of us. Your Father... Not just Jesus' father. Doesn't call him God here. He calls him your father. Your father. I want to bring the band back up here. Because as they lead us in this next song, remember the choice. You can let your treasure be the things of this world. Or Jesus invites you to just give them away. Experience a treasure and a way of life where his heart is your refuge. Where your refuge becomes the very heart of God rather than the things and circumstances that you find yourself in currently. Because when your treasure, when your treasure is Christ Jesus, then out of your heart flows love, flows life. Life. Instead of filling our heart with the things of this world and hoarding, he invites us to open and give. So we're going to sing this song that I really like. Stefan, you like it too, right? I do. And I would invite you to pray it as you sing it, to let your heart stay right here with God, to lay down those things, lay down the things of this life, not hover but trust trust and rest with God